Welcome to another episode of the Nuclear Medicine and Molecular Medicine podcast, and we're doing it again virtually. Um, it was to be the, it, the Society of Nuclear Medicine uh, meeting in New Orleans for 2020, but unfortunately, it's the virtual meeting. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't bring you great content, and, and this time, we're going to uh, talk to uh, Dr. Uh, Matt Zammett, who from uh, Wisconsin, and he's going to be, he's ha he had two uh, two awards, successful awards in the um, Young Investigators uh, uh, area. And he's going to talk a little bit about what they found. And, and I, I think they were particularly interesting. So perhaps I, I'll just hand it over to Matt. If you can tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and then maybe go into describing the, the, uh, the two papers you presented. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. <laughs> Uh, I'm Matt Zamet. I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Wisconsin, and um, you know the the focus of my my work is trying to characterize the progression of Alzheimer's disease in the Down syndrome population. <clears throat> so uh, Down syndrome is uh, caused by triplication of chromosome 21, and as a population. Um, down syndrome is predisposed to getting Alzheimer's disease dementia and it's purely a genetic a genetic uh, mutation that causes this uh, do you have a question yeah I was just going to illustrate so so what you're really saying is that the, the uh, you, they've got an extra source of production of amyloid that is that seems to be the amyloid precursor protein that seems to be the the theory behind why Down syndrome. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So the, uh, the gene expressing the production of amyloid precursor protein is on chromosome 21. So, so a Down syndrome adult or individual will produce the amyloid precursor protein at one and a half times the typical rate. And this will cause you know, an overproduction of amyloid and an earlier presence of uh, Alzheimer's disease onset. So the, the title of, of my talk, uh, I can share the screen. Sure. The, all right, yes, the title of my talk was the regional associations between amyloid beta and glucose metabolism um, during the progression of Alzheimer's disease and Down syndrome. And this study is part of the Alzheimer's Biomarker Consortium Down syndrome study. Uh, we are an NIH-funded study, and um, we are also a multi-site study. So we have multiple imaging centers across the United States and one in the United Kingdom. And in total, we have recruited about 300 adults with Down syndrome that are dedicating their time to uh, understanding the progression of the disease so we can... Uh, implement this population into some clinical trials aimed at AD uh, therapy. <clears throat> Excellent. So, so I'd like to, yeah. So what so I'd like you, to. So you did. Uh, go you ahead. Did amyloid, uh, you did it with an amyloid tracer that's um, a beta-42 tracer and a, a glucose uh, tracer and looked at looked at the uh, what re what regions are were affected. Yeah, so go and tell us a bit about what you found. Yeah, that, that's correct. So we used um, 
carbon 11 Pittsburgh compound B to measure the A beta. And then we used uh, fluorodeoxyglucose for, for a regional glucose metabolism analysis. Um, and I would like to, you know, start by showing some, um, some amyloid beta images here. Uh, this shows the typical spread of A beta uh, during in Down syndrome during the progression of Alzheimer's disease. And if you notice on the column on the left, we show a typical amyloid negative case, and we would call this a uh, healthy, cognitively stable adult with Down syndrome. But then in the earliest uh, stages of A beta progression, we start to notice this elevated signal in the striatum. And this is something that's that's unique to Down syndrome and uh, other forms of, of familial Alzheimer's disease that's not expressed in late onset Alzheimer's disease. So, so right away, this is a very good indicator of these Alzheimer's-like changes happening in Down syndrome. And we can use this to uh, track the progression and potentially use it as a, a, uh, a means of recruitment for a clinical trial in this population. Right. Well, the, the, that, that, that unusual uptake, uh, this is with, with, um, with PIP compound B uh, uh, tracer, but with flutmetamol, I think uh, stradal uptake is one of the indicators in their, their guidelines, I think, uh, uh, for, for, for sporadic Alzheimer's. I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And then, of course, in the later stages of Alzheimer's disease, the um, A-beta pathology very closely resembles that of sporadic Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'd also like to uh, highlight one of my recent publications looking at uh, longitudinal amyloid change in the Down syndrome population. And this is using a, a relatively new uh, method of quantification of amyloid. Uh, it's, it's, it's called the uh, amyloid load or the amyloid IQ method. And it was developed by uh, Alex Whittington and Roger Gunn at Invicro. Uh, and they found that you can, uh, given a, a single PIB image or any other type of A-beta PET image, you can suppress the nonspecific binding of the tracer and only look at the uh, signal component specifically bound to a beta. And that's what I show here in the uh, images on the left. So we have this carrying capacity template, which is indicative of the amyloid specific binding and everything else gets uh, thresholded into this nonspecific component. And really, uh, for, for Pittsburgh Compound B and other, other tracers, it's, it's localized to, to white matter. So we're, we're suppressing that white matter signal and only looking at the specific amyloid component. Um, and in this plot on the right, um, you know, we see the longitudinal change in this amyloid load with respect to their age. And... Um, the, the connected lines on this plot represent the participants in our study that have longitudinal imaging. And for some of them, they've been a part of this study for 10 to 12 years, which I think is, is just incredible. Wow. And, um, you know, we can see that everybody 
in this in this population is showing uh, elevated elevated amyloid uptake within the age ranges of, of 40 to 50. Um, Isn't it fantastic they're giving up their time and, and effort and it's a struggle for them to take part in this? Our volunteers are so important for, for these studies, aren't they? It's it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, the number of scans we do, we do, we do a, a sequence of MR scans, we do tau imaging, FDG, we're looking at um, fluid-based biomarkers as well. So every visit, we we take a blood sample and we look at the plasma biomarkers. And now we're looking at CSF biomarkers. So we'll do a lumbar puncture and extract the CSF. So we really we really put them through a lot, but they they don't seem to mind. They are they are just dedicated to helping us out and um, really helping others with Down syndrome too. Do they have to go undergo cognitive testing as well? Yes, we do do cognitive testing as well. Um, and we're, we're using that as our, our, our gold standard to, to classify neurodegeneration. And we want to use the PET imaging specifically with FDG to, um, you know, validate that. Well, we want to use the, um, the neuros, uh, neuropsychological measures to validate FDG uh, in classification of neurodegeneration. Right. So, um, what did you uh, what did your FTD teach you show? Yes. <clears throat> so this here shows a a sample of A beta and FDG images. Um, one in a cognitively stable adult. This was a thirty eight year old female and a fifty five year old female that had mild cognitive impairment or uh, Alzheimer's disease. And um, as you can see, the, the cognitively stable adult has very low amyloid uptake and relatively high FDG uptake. Uh, and, as, and then um, the, the case with MCI or AD, you can see heavy amyloid burden here in the frontal cortex, right here in the striatum. Um, and in the uh, parietal lobe and precuneus. And then interestingly, if we look down at the FDG images, you know, we can see relatively high FDG uptake in the parietal lobe and precuneus, but then in the MCI-AD case, it's, it decreases quite significantly. So we are, we are seeing um, some significant neurodegeneration in these regions. And then if you, if you remember earlier, uh, I mentioned that the striatal A-beta really distinguishes the early stage of, of, of Alzheimer's progression and Down syndrome. Uh, however, you know, if we look at the FDG images, we actually see uh, an increase in glucose metabolism within this region. Hmm. Um, and then these images on the right are actually uh, voxel-based regressions between the amyloid and the FDG data across our our entire cohort, which was uh, about 90, 90 participants that that have an FDG image so far. Um, so we can see this top image shows these areas of the reduced FDG 
reduce glucose metabolism, and it's localized to the parietal lobe and precuneus, um, and even the posterior cingulate. But now this bottom image shows increased FDG with respect to A-beta, and, and we see that in both the, the thalamus and the striatum. And, and this is very interesting because the, you know, the striatum is uh, one of the earliest regions to show uh, A-beta deposition. However, we're not seeing any type of neurodegeneration or atrophy within this region. And, and there may be a, a reason for that. Um, and I, I believe it comes down to the maturity of the amyloid plaques in this region. Uh, so, so autopsy studies have shown that the, the striatum and Down syndrome shows very high abundance of diffuse plaques and very few uh, cord or neuritic plaques, which are much more toxic. And um, they don't think it came more tau, right? So the, the right, right. And it seems that tau may be spared from this region as well. Right. Right. So uh, even, even in the later stages of Alzheimer's disease, we really don't see a lot of neuritic plaques within this region. Um, so you know, one, one theory as to why we're seeing this increased metabolism, it could be uh, the result of an immune response to the presence of these diffuse plaques. Um, and um, this can be seen in... Um, other cortical regions in, in late onset Alzheimer's disease during the, uh, during the earliest stages of progression, there, there's some evidence of, of an immune response causing increased FDG uptake during the earlier stages of progression before you see this uh, hypometabolism as neurodegeneration progresses. Right, right. <clears throat> so, um... What, what do you think of the implications of, uh, of, of what you what you've discovered here? Well, I, I believe that um, looking at FDG in the striatum is probably not going to be indicative of classifying neurodegeneration in this population. Um, however, we, we are finding that, you know, uh, as Alzheimer's progresses, as the amyloid load becomes uh, more intense, we, we see reduced glucose metabolism in typical Alzheimer's disease regions um, like the parietal lobe, precuneus. And, and I think that um, FDG could um, be useful in, in classifying neurodegeneration and Down syndrome. And it could be used as a, you know, a good outcome measure in, in clinical trials. Right. Uh, well, aimed I think, at you know amyloid or tau therapies, right? And 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 there's been people have said that we really should be doing more clinical trials in the Down syndrome population because we've got anti-amyloid, anti-tau, and other other anti-Alzheimer's uh, uh, therapies that we're trialing. And and given that they've got a fairly predictable trajectory, we know that most that the people are going to proceed in this direction, be able to monitor that trajectory and measure the change and measure the effectiveness of the therapy, understanding how they appear in Down syndrome is going to be important, right? Yeah, that's correct. 
and it's it's a real shame that um, you know Down syndrome isn't currently included in any of these trials. Um, is specifically, I, I mean, uh, it, it takes all the guesswork out of clinical trial recruitment because we know everybody with Down syndrome is going to get Alzheimer's disease. That's that's a given. We know that the average age of dementia onset is about 55 years old. And we know that amyloid positivity usually is reached in the late 30s, early 40s. So it's almost easy to predict when these Alzheimer's-like changes are occurring. And in terms of other clinical trials, you don't have to guess as to who may or may not be at risk for AD in your population. You just know with yeah. Down syndrome right away. Yeah. But also, you know, there, there's there's also a moral obligation to this. I mean, everybody with, with Down syndrome is going to get Alzheimer's disease. We need to treat that and we need to include them in the clinical trials. Absolutely. And, and as I say um, to, uh, uh, to, to when I'm dealing with elderly volunteers for, for the trials we do here in Melbourne, um, um, I say there's things you're being a great help because there's things that you can do that young people are just no good at. <laughs> and and it gives it gives them a reason. It shows that they can do they can contribute. I think people want to contribute and I think people with Down syndrome want to contribute and want to help. And I, I think we shouldn't underestimate the uh, the the, um, the benefit we're giving to people by having them fit what they are contributing towards science in treating the disease. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, is there any more you'd like to say about this paper or would you like to get on to the next one? Um, I think I'm content with this. Yeah, we can, we can move on to the, um, to the next one. Yeah. yeah. And I, I must apologize. I didn't prepare anything, uh, no slides for, right. for this second talk. That's right. <laughs> Well, perhaps uh, just stop sharing. We can just have a chat about what you did. Of course. So All tell right. Yes. So while the first talk focused on looking at A-beta and glucose metabolism, the, the second talk looked at A-beta and um, regional tau spread in Down syndrome. Oh. Right. And tau imaging is has really not been performed in, in the Down syndrome population. So we don't know, we don't know too much about the, the localization or the, the rate of tau spread as Alzheimer's progresses. We, we're not confident that it's similar to sporadic AD. We don't know the time course. We don't know the age at onset. So what tracing did you use for tau? So we used fluortausapir. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, at, at the time, at the time we um, we started the study, it was it was the only tracer that we had approved across multiple sites. Yes. Um. But uh, other other studies at the University of Wisconsin use uh, MK sixty two forty. Yep. And we also have approval for the Roche compound as well. Right. GDP one. Yeah. <clears throat> Right. So yes, we're we're looking at at fluortausapir, um, and uh, before before 
the COVID-19 pandemic struck, we had begun our, uh, our, our follow-up Tau scan um, yes. after three years. So <laughs> we, oh, we first started God. imaging, we first started imaging Tau in this population about three years ago. And right as we're, we're collecting our, our next time point, we had to stop everything. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I mean, well, it's terrible for all sorts of reasons. If you're trying to do a therapy trial and one arm of the trial, either arm of the trial, people die from COVID, then, then it's very hard for that trial to, to, to get good data or to show that, the, that, that, uh, that, that COVID was the real response cause of death or the therapy was cause of death. I mean, this is throwing a lot of these studies into, into it. And, of course, elderly people, people with pre-existing conditions like Downs and so on, um, are more at risk. So so you're also, right. you're also uh, running into problems there. That's why we're very eager to get rid of the, the COVID in Australia altogether to, to get to zero and keep it at zero so that we can continue doing that sort of work. And hopefully that will be very soon. Um, we've got it in... Right. Um, we've got it in five of the six states of Australia, virtually zero. So, so if we can get it to zero, then that will help with our research here. And let's hope you can get it to zero in the US sometime. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully sometime. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, yes. so what did so you show? This, yes. Um, so yes, the second abstract. Um, really, we were we were comparing. Um, amyloid and tau status across cognitively stable down syndrome adults and those that we have classified having mild cognitive impairment or alzheimer's disease so we were we were looking at the um for the tau imaging the the conventional brock staging um observed in sporadic ad and we were trying to see if that model holds up in the down syndrome population as well yes and and you know, from from my observations, I see I see no difference um, in the uptake between between a Down syndrome adult and and somebody with with late onset Alzheimer's disease, including that uh, striatum uh, no, no tau in the striatum area, right? Well, uh, so there's there's a, a challenge with that. The the fluorotauspir compound has off-target binding in the basal oh. ganglia, so. So that signal will be interfering with any type of, of striatal analysis we wish to pursue. Right. Uh, if, if we were using a different a different radio tracer, then you know this this problem would be circumvented, and we would have we would have a, a better a better answer. You know, we'd be able to verify the histology that says that there is no no tau progression in this in this region. Right. But knowing that it's fairly similar to sporadic Alzheimer's disease is going to mean that they, it's going to be easier to manage. Um, managed uh, 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 therapy trials in Down syndrome because you're going to get similar signals, right? One would hope that that would be the case. Yeah, that's correct. And it's the same thing with, with amyloid as well. You know, aside from the striatum, we don't see, we don't see much difference. Um, and, and even though, going, going back to amyloid, even though there's this overproduction of amyloid, the the, the rate, the yearly rate of increase is, is the same across the different populations. So, you know, even though there's an overproduction, we still see about a three to four percent increase in amyloid per year. Well, a lot of the therapy trials are, are moving towards uh, asymptomatic uh, early uh, disease where you've got amyloid pathology, but no Alzheimer's disease. 
So part of that is to perhaps they might be looking at people who've got amyloid but no tau, right? So so it's important that, right. that both of both of those uh, those traces work in 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 the Down syndrome population if you're going to be using those for therapeutic trials. Correct. Yeah, I, I, right, right. Especially, you know, if we can, I think the earlier that we can catch um, these these changes, the better. And then, you know, that's where that's where the striatal amyloid comes into play. You know, that's it's going to be the earliest in, in vivo measure um, with with PET imaging that we can see and we can um, get them into a clinical trial right away. Right. And I, I guess try, try and treat before before we start to see widespread tau. Right. And maybe if you want to go really early, try to treat before you even see amyloid. And it's hard to do that in a conventional population, but it may be possible to do that in a Down syndrome population. Mm, correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you start if you start the treatment around age, you know, 30 or 35, maybe. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of potential there. Excellent. Anything else you'd like to add uh, in terms of what we've talked about? Um, nothing. Nothing in particular. Um, the, the the results of my other abstract showed that, you know, yes, the the, the tau spread was capable of distinguishing, you know, cognitively stable to mild cognitive impairment adults, just like just like sporadic Alzheimer's disease. So so things are looking up. You know, we're really. We're really looking forward to to gearing this population for clinical trials. And well, they they deserve all the care and um, attention we can give them, and 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 we will, and and uh, and also that uh, they can they, they can help the wider community by um, uh, by taking part in trials, and uh, I think that's a great thing to do. And the, uh, uh, unlike dominantly inherited Alzheimer's disease, Down syndrome is is uh relatively common everywhere so it's not yes. it's not as though um uh we'll have difficulty recruiting people into that into that cohort right right at least in the united states uh, down syndrome affects roughly one in 800 uh births so you know it's it's a very widely available population yeah, absolutely yeah yeah very interesting um, all right. Thank you very much for taking part in the podcast and, and under difficult circumstances. And uh, well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. No. A, a very interesting uh, two papers, and and I think uh, probably with uh, with important report because if we're going to be uh, tackling this terrible disease, then and 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 dealing with a, a vulnerable portion of our population, then then uh, then uh, research like this is going to be particularly valuable course it benefits everybody yeah yeah thank you very much thank you very much for taking part and and uh good luck uh, uh getting your research back up and running again in a safe manner of course thank you yeah <laughs>